0: <laughs> all, right, it. all right welcome back to two homers and a realist this is an on location pod here at game week this is the pre-game pod we are out of the preseason, but we are at tobacco exchange so just a moment to talk about this great location we're at the more location there are three locations of the tobacco exchange the more locations at 824 Southwest 27th Street. That's just right off the service road. We'll talk more about this location specifically in a minute, but two other convenient locations, North Oklahoma City at 2836 Northwest 63rd Street, and Edmond, 13512 Northeastern. I would say that they have a great selection, great service, very knowledgeable staff. Now, Lucas, you're more familiar, you're the most familiar yeah. with them. Talk about it. I've been a coming bit. to
1: Tobacco Exchange for a long time. When I first started smoking, I went to the 63rd location because that was the only one and their prices were by far cheaper than everybody else's so that was my primary location and then they opened this one and more i want to say seven or eight years ago and it's five minutes from my house so this is my home location this will be the home location for us is is two humbers and realist podcast Um, you got joey clint and carl running things here and they're helpful if, if you're new to cigars and don't know what you like or if you're a professional you know, connoisseur like I am, you just go in there in the humidor, and they've got a huge selection. And like I said, for, for price wise, they're cheaper than anybody else I've shopped around at in the past. So great like place, you.
2: great place to smoke a cigar as well. We're in the yeah. we're in the smoke room right now, and a lot yeah. of space, a lot of yeah, couches, it's a, chairs. It's a free lounge.
1: Some of the places, yep. some of the other uh, chains out there charge you to to go in and smoke. Um, this one's free. You can bring your own drinks and just sit down and have a good good time. B-Y-O-B,
0: we got golf on the big screen TV, they've got convenient little lockers here for those who want to store some cigars here and come and socialize. Like you were saying, incredible selection, and the prices are very competitive. Yep. So, a lot of great things to say about Tobacco Exchange. Thanks for letting us uh, podcast from here. Thanks to all the... And they're going to the be our
1: postgame sponsor for the remainder
0: of the season, it sounds like. All right. Well, we're looking forward to that. So, let's get right into it. We've got a game this week against Arkansas State. And OU is a 34-and-a-half point favorite thereabouts. Uh, Let's start off with who's going to get the first handoff? Who's going to be the starting running back? Who wants to venture a guess?
1: I think it's going to be Marcus Major. I think they're going to do one of those seniority-type situations, Um, much the same as Kiwan Jones was the starter with Adrian Peterson coming in afterwards. Uh I I think what he's done in the past, even though he's been limited by injury, I think that he's put in the time, and they're just going to they're going to send him out there first. I think.
0: Jay, what do you think?
3: I probably agree with Lucas. Um, I don't think I like it. I don't care with your seniority or if you've put in your time or not. I want the best player to start, regardless. I personally think that would be Sawchuk, but he's been limited a little bit in camp. So, yeah, I think it'll be. And Marcus Major and he's young
0: he's exceptionally young so that that works against him as far as what you're saying Lucas about seniority and who they like I mean to he award. looked good in the bowl game
1: oh he I mean, looked great in the bowl the last, game. I'm not saying he should right. Be the, but the last the time game. we saw these guys it was Barnes and Sawchuk, right right correct
0: right Connor what do you think
2: um I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Barnes I think Barnes uh, gets the first carry I think he from what it sounds like has really established himself in that room um and I don't know, I, I do I do wonder, I mean, we saw some of that with even Eric Gray last year when when uh, Major looked at the beginning of the season, was one of the, I, I, in my mind, a difference maker and looked better than Eric, but Eric got the the start week in and week out, right? So um, I do think there is something to be said for seniority. Um, I, I don't know, I haven't heard a ton about Major out of camp, um, so it must be healthy, I guess. Maybe no news is good news, but... I still think, for whatever reason, uh, my gut's
0: saying, my gut's saying Barnes. So, I'm going to agree with you. J- Barnes is my pick as far as who I think will get the start, and, and I guess I'm leaning mostly on the number of carries that he got throughout the season. So I definitely see the seniority as a big part of it, but I'm weighing the playing time more so than the actual true seniority. Um, I think Solchuk will end up being the best running back at the end of the season, but... Even Tawee Walker, he's looking really strong, I guess. Um, they're high on him. Hicks yeah, well. so it's, We it's may a, see
2: four running backs, four or five running backs I hope we do. In these first few games, yeah.
0: I, I would, would really like to see that. I, I would expect we would. My hope is that Major can be a major contributor. We'll see. He hasn't been. Um, that I, I, I want him to, to get in there and, and be a big part of the game just because I think he's got a lot of potential. Maybe he gets – legitimately beaten out of the position, then so be it. But hopefully it's not because of his shortcomings just by virtue of how good these uh, other running backs are.
1: I mean, for all we know, a Major could end up being like Rodney Anderson where we, th- we thought he was going to be really good and then he had injury. And then the next season comes up and we think he's going to be good and he has another injury. And then, takes the off. season
3: after that he's on fire. I right.
2: mean, we saw the we saw a glimpse of it early last year. I mean, he,
3: yeah. he I was, think we all agreed most of the nation agreed that he should be carrying the ball more than Eric Gray right. early in the season last
0: year.
1: Yeah. And Eric Gray turned out to be great last yeah. season. Yeah, there might have been something really, else really going majors. on that
0: maybe continues to be a hindrance for Major or maybe he's past this and that would be does he know the offense? Does he know the blocking schemes? Does he can he catch the ball? Do they do the coaches have the confidence they need? To have him in that position not knowing especially you may know the what you want to do in a general sense but there's going to be play calls that you adapt to and obviously there's going to be audibles you want a guy in there who can adapt to all of those situations i wonder if he wasn't that guy and that's why we didn't see him and did see eric gray in the early mid part of the season and does that just continue to 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 dog him or has he overcome that
1: by the end of the season it could be saw chucks your starter and then Barnes is your sermon where he comes in fourth quarter and just wears wears people down, that kind of thing. I think Barnes personally is the most gifted of the running backs size wise and speed. Sawchuck's faster and he's probably got more wiggle to him, but I think Barnes for me is my favorite kind of running back.
0: How much much two running back set do you think we'll see? Not enough. Not enough, (laughs) yeah. I kind of would tend to agree. I
2: think we're going to see Freeman in the backfield a
0: lot motioning out um yeah with so not a true running back but a but an option and somebody with speed yeah i think it depends on
3: tight ends how serviceable they are i think we'll have to get more creative if if we only have Stogner and nobody else
0: yeah that's true both from a running back uh, blocking scheme um but also from a Um, little bubble screens and anything else you want to do around the line of scrimmage which we know Levy likes to do a lot of stuff around the line of scrimmage you have got to have some key blocking in in the right positions well what else should we be watching for what are the other things that stand out to you guys I've got a few things that I've noted just in terms of this first game opening game with all of its uh, things like opening game jitters and, and hopefully a lot of acceleration out of where we were last year keeping the momentum alive of what we saw at the latter half, especially in the Florida State game, and not so much the uh, ineptitude that we saw throughout the, the middle part of the season. What are you guys looking for? Um,
2: I think if I could put maybe two things out there. First would be how quickly does Peyton Bowen get on the field? Is he part of those first few rotations uh, on the defense to really kind of complement what we're hearing out of camp and how well he's doing? Um, And not only that, but where do they put him? I mean, he's been practicing at multiple positions, so does he go to the safety role that we all think he's going to or does he rotate in somewhere else at uh, the Cheetah or or something like that? And then maybe secondly, uh, Dylan Gabriel throwing the ball over the middle of the field. Can he do that? Um, Do we have a guy who can go over the middle of the field and get the ball? Um, Those would be my two things that I'll really be – hoping to see um, or looking for on on Saturday. I'll
3: go a little bit more old man football. I wanna watch the offensive line be mean and dominant and bury people and create huge running lanes so it doesn't matter who we're handing the football off to. And equally on the other side, with as much depth as it looks like we have on paper in players that have transferred in and young guys that are stepping up and added good weight, there should be no um, lack of effort when it comes to pass rush and stuff because we have a legit two deep. You should be able to bust your butt for two or three plays in a row. And if the other team gets a first down, there should be a whole new set that comes in. And it's just a relentless, consistent effort on the D line, which is, we saw last year when you don't have that, your pass rush, you just you get lax, you get tired. It's just so
0: much less effective.
2: People go for it on fourth and four yeah. and every time and lot. get it.
0: No problem. Yeah. So I guess two things related to that. One would be the players themselves, not just getting worn down, but knowing they're gonna be in the game a long time so they pace themselves. And complementary to that would be the coaches knowing that these guys are gonna be in a lot and they're calling less aggressive play calling. Or, or they're not stoking these guys to be as aggressive as possible. I think we'd want them to be yelling at those guys, go after them, go get them. I need more aggression, or the next guy's coming in, and you're not going to see the field for the next Yeah, no, Yeah, series. they should just, yeah, but, you yeah. know, the old
3: cliche of 110%. I mean, these guys, you've got two or three snaps right now. You can give it all you've got. You're yeah. going to have a break. There's no reason. They get,
0: I hope that gets through to everybody at every level, both the coaches as well as the you, players. Because if you're a big old boy,
3: you know, Ethan Downs or Reggie Grimes or somebody last year, and you've been pass rushing and not getting there, not getting there, next thing you know it's a, a flare out to your side, you're kind of jogging, or you're not, you know, or you just 11 men run. aren't going yeah. to the ball because you're like, I've got to save some gas, I've got to go right back out right. and try and pass because rush again. Because you know again. that if
0: you, and here's the thing that comes down to coaches have to see through this, So if you're Ethan Downs and you're thinking, well, I could give that 110%, whatever, and and go all out, and I may or may not make a difference here. If I don't make a difference, no one notices. If I make a difference, that's great. But if I don't make a difference, no one notices, except I'm going to be a lot more tired. And then I might have a bust, and I'm out, and I may not come back in. So there's that threat. Coaches, hopefully, can look at that and say, all right, I know who this player is. He may be tired right now just because he needs to come out and signal, I need to come out. It doesn't mean you're not coming back into the game. It's just you need a breather, and you're right back in there after you're refreshed. Hopefully, they see that.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be a fear of losing your job situation. It's gonna be, you go all out for three or four plays, and if there's a first down, like Jay said, you sub the whole squad out, and then you're getting a rest while your other guys are in there giving their all, and they come out. You know, we we used to do that in the past with receivers and stuff like that. Do you guys guys think we'll have like a? You guys
2: think we'll have like package D lines, like? You know, your first and second down guys, and then your, your third down package? Or do you think that it's.
3: I don't know if we'll have first and second down packages, but I definitely think we'll have a third and long yeah. D line group that you would want out there. Now, some of the problem with that is, you know, our teams going to allow you to sub, right? Because right? if they don't sub, then you can't get your package out there, and vice versa. But in general, and in, in best case scenario, I would think that you would have a three or four man rush specifically for third down and longs. Like for me, if McCullough is the backup cheetah, I think you move him down to the line. That's what he's super comfortable with. You could put a PJ out there, uh, or Mason Thomas out there, and somebody else, and you've just got well, an eight. elite yeah. speed rush, mm-hmm. third and nine where Be aggressive. you're just coming. You're bringing a
0: house. Move your corners up. Move your safeties up. This quarterback's not going to have any time to throw the football. And that's really when you should have the most time to – to sub in even if they're going to try to be fairly quick most teams at third and long are not in a position to be fast it's not like they've had success and they're going to just keep rolling they've got to regroup and figure out what they want to do gives you if you're on your game enough time to get the right substitutions in if they've got it called and say this is the third long package and you know when you're in you're part of it or you're not you know your job and immediately you're looking and have game awareness you're not celebrating in the backfield you're running back and exchanging so that that group is ready to go yeah I'm going
3: to guess that you know yeah. the second group of D linemen or the speed rush D linemen are going to be standing right there next to
0: yeah uh, Ted Roof
3: Brent or Roof or whoever yeah. and ready, and ready go to go in. yeah
1: I've got a few things my yeah. number one thing is going to be the center to quarterback exchange mm-hmm. I want to see rain in this offseason obviously learn to snap it with some force and to the correct side of Gabriel it, it will be a little bit change if and when Arnold gets in there, that he's going to have to, if he's still in, snap the other side. But it, it just can't be that hard to, to know which side you need to snap it to based on the handedness of the quarterback. Not that, it just not can't. Just
0: it can't be that hard. It is important. And yes.
3: You, you, I don't even think it's a side. It's just supposed to the, be straight. And the floating aspect.
0: Right. The, the quickness. I
1: mean, of course, I can remember times where I thought, even as good as Creed was, that we floated it back there a little too much. And maybe that's, maybe that's something that they teach to – to give the quarterback a better chance to catch it as opposed to like firing it back there and him having to situate it and look up. But to me, that increases the speed of your offense by getting it to the quarterback. Well the faster. right
0: you want it the right speed. Yeah. Obviously you can fire it back too fast, but, but you need the right timing. It's a timing is so critical and this is not a minor thing you're looking at. This is something that adds up over time. It's not just about can he get enough plays in that you want to get your play count up? It's really about the timing of everything and the sequencing so that you've got a rhythm going. You want one less thing for them to worry about. You want that to just work methodically so that's always there and he can get into his offensive groove and do what he needs to do. Another, I think it's a really important.
1: Another thing I'm looking at is we were talking about Peyton Bowen getting in earlier. I think in a true nickel package, you have to put him out there as, as an extra, like a third safety essentially if they've got that coverage scheme lined up where you're not gonna have a cheetah on the field in coverage, you can run a true nickel against some of these teams that go five wide. And I feel like the depth of our corners and safeties with Peyton Bowen in there is gonna greatly increase on those downs of, even if it's, you know, third and seven and they've got five wide, you feel like your defense is your, your four rushers, which that's another thing. I wanna see four rushers all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna see this three down line crap. I want to see four guys on the line of scrimmage. Do you think you will, though? If you have to drop one of them back occasionally, that's fine. But when when they're trying to pick up a third and seven, I don't want to rush three, drop eight. Like, that's that's awful to me. Well, My strategy has is, is proven the, years and years now, but it does not work.
0: The only time I would, would give them an excuse on it is if they specifically feel like this is a unique circumstance where it will work, not as a this is our design play and what we think – needs to happen as a long-term strategy, but if you looked at a specific team and their specific strengths and weaknesses and said, we know a, a rush three, drop eight works for this group, outside of that, I am in total agreement, I'd rather have high pressure at the point of contact, at the line of scrimmage with four really just going for broke guys that are coming after the quarterback and disrupting that offense immediately rather than letting them sit back and figure out what they want to do. I mean,
1: you see it in, in nowadays you got all these seven-and-seven seven camps and and when you're rushing four, you're still rushing against five offensive linemen. So, it's essentially – it can be street ball out there. You get receivers that, you know, Give a the time, quarterback's got all damn day to throw the ball, He's he's got to find somebody at some point no matter how yep. good your coverage is. Yep. So, I, I don't want to see a bunch of that. And then my last thing was the – punting situation i hope we don't have to punt that much are they going to have a, a long punter and a pinback short punter
3: i think we do i think or, we have two which
1: is totally fine if, if, if,
3: if it, works. Got, it works i always thought you should have two. yeah personally. i mean
1: if you've got guys out there that one's got a 55 yard every time and you're punting from your own 40 put the guy out there that's going to try to pin him inside the 20 it, it doesn't if these guys are on scholarship or they're on the team who cares if you use two punters for two different things it doesn't matter
0: it really shouldn't. And,
1: and you rarely ever see that in college football.
0: It's, it's a weird thing. It's almost like a confidence thing. But you don't see that many times that a guy as a punter is going to make a mental mistake. And honestly, if they do, it's more probably because they have too much on their mind. Yeah, you and you're really trying to get that one wonder, guy to do yeah. all
1: things. You're trying to hit that perfect punt. If you know you're the guy you who's – your yarder, job is, is to yarder.
0: catch the ball that comes to you Kick it as hard as you can. That's your, that's your job. Yeah. And the other guy is, you know how to kick the ball. Don't ever try to kick it as hard as you can. Or you've got to kick it high as you can. You know, you're, you're, that's your specialty. You're well, I never think, changing your kick. I think for uh,
3: if you have an elite punter or a punter that is pro potential, mm-hmm. he has to be able to show both. Yeah. Because sure. NFL rosters are not going to sure. carry two punters. And who cares? But, I mean, that was our sample last yeah. year, right? Yeah. yeah but Turk, in NFL, you get a 53-man roster. And downfall, so though. So you
1: can't carry a couple kickers right. for multiple yeah, things. That's but, what I'm saying. Right. But, but if, if, college you have, you can't.
3: if you have one yeah. that's like that, you have to let them do both, or they're not even going to want to be your punter anymore, right? You, there's, the coach, there's so many kids maybe, that can maybe kick maybe a football. Not, but I don't if you told Turk last year that, hey, you're just kicking it long, you're not going to corner cough in any kicks, he's like, well, how am I going to get to the NFL?
0: I don't think you worry about punters getting in the NFL. I can see that, but you don't worry. I would agree with Lucas. I'm not worried about him getting in the NFL, and no offense to Turk, but that when you're, when any part of your game, when you start to mention strengths, includes punting, you're an Aggie, and I'm not interested in it. I want us to have adequate punting, and that's it. We shouldn't depend on punting. And if we, I don't want to look for the next Reggie Roby. I don't want some guy who's going to be whatever, a great punter. And we're going to recruit him or something. Yeah. No, I'm not interested. I just want adequate guys who can do the job. And if it's two guys who can do the job, I think that's probably a better split. And to hell with the idea that you're, we're going to put somebody in the NFL, which is a crap shoot anyway. And then this is if the pregame
1: pod. I'm hoping we don't have to punt more than two or three times total in the first, oh,
0: the first game. I would maybe be disappointed if we punt three times, to be honest. I'd rather see us missing long field goals or having a weird, should we go for the field goal or should we go for it? situation i'd rather us miss on fourth downs i mean honestly well the, Arkansas analytics, State. the
1: analytics show to go for them go for it fourth go for, and go three, for fourth it and four inside the uh, 50 you uh, just go for it every yeah time.
0: well yeah and sometimes you know in anywhere from 30 yards out so uh yeah i let's let's hope that we're not punting very much
2: i think one more thing uh for me just popping in my head um also on the defensive side of the ball is uh, the cornerback position. So we know Woody Washington has one of those locked down. Uh, I know that everyone thinks, at least right now, Ginchy Williams is the guy uh, at the other, on the other side. Um,
1: Josiah Wagner is going to get a lot of play. But it there.
2: sounds like Wagner is, is really stepping up as well. So I think you know, that'll be a fun competition to watch over the first few games. where, where you know I, I am excited with the depth that we have. You can treat you know, this game, the SMU game, the Tulsa game hopefully um, all three of those as some sort of competition leading into Scrimmage. conference play um, yeah so uh, I don't know I, it's gonna be fun to see some of those position battles and,
0: and really kind of d-
1: playing Tulane so we should we should be able to move <laughs> the ball and stop the ball in this game they're, you, they're, you would they're, think. they're
0: the top of the group of five so I had a few things and boy they do they ever echo and I wrote these down ahead of time so I can prove that they're just echoing you guys' thoughts in a lot of ways so one thing I jotted down was when you said, uh, when, when will Peyton Bowen get in, when will McCullough get in? When, and Jay, you mentioned him. When, when, when are we going to see him in the cheetah position, how are we going to utilize him? I'd like to see something figured out about utilizing that talent, which doesn't fit into our defensive scheme per se as much as it seems like it should because he's at an odd size. He's. Giant big for where they want to play him, um, but he 's not big enough to be a, a defensive end, so it will be interesting to see how they utilize him since we don 't have a true sort of don 't have a true Sam linebacker, um, not to say you can 't utilize talent and have a uh, sort of a, a makeshift one as he when he comes in so related to that, I said, I want to see co- constant defensive pressure I want to see continuity where we 're always um, Putting pressure on Arkansas State. They were the number 85 total offense in 2022. I don't follow their recruiting, as you can expect, so I don't know who they um, have in the pipeline. But I would bet they're still not going to be a very good offense. So I would like to think we're putting constant pressure on them. And honestly, most of the yardage they gain is going to be through busted plays or just perfectly executed plays, not where they're getting yardage in in any kind of um, bulk against us. On the offensive side, I would like to see yards per play production very high. Last year, Arkansas State was 108th in total defense and 84th in yards per play. They gave up 5.8 yards per play. OU's offense last year averaged 6.2 yards per play, which was 33rd in the nation. I would like to see OU's offense be better, and that means if – Arkansas State somewhere similar to where they are, even if it's the same. But even, but especially if it's if OU's better, that we're able to have some really good production in yards per play, getting yardage in chunks. And the other thing is both offense and defense minimal bust, m- maybe no bust. I don't want to see a guy breaking free, us not be in position um, defensively. I don't want to see us where I'd be forgiven. Or I'd be very forgiving if we saw like a a couple of miscommunications between quarterback and receiver, but for the most part, I'd really I would rather see the, the miscommunication where the receiver runs the wrong route and the ball is deep and thrown and nobody's in the ballpark versus a wide-open receiver that, that Gabriel doesn't see. So I want to see him, and, and I like what you had to say about that, Connor, um, hitting the, the seam routes, hitting everything over the middle when he should, reading, checking down into things appropriately, but just a lot of consistency. Um, that will give me more confidence that we are going to be on the right trajectory going forward into this season.
1: I'm hoping to see Levy after the first year. And Gabriel's not the tallest of quarterbacks. So, I mean, he's on par with, you know, Baker. He's a little obviously taller than Kyler. But why why were those guys able to find gaps to throw the ball easily? Yeah. And last year I don't feel like it was as easy. Right. <clears throat> so, Biedenbo's a continuation. He was offensive line coach then, he's offensive line coach now. He got a new coordinator, but does Biedenbo after that first year kind of be like, hey, you know, he wasn't able to see through these gaps in in the offense that you've installed. Maybe we changed it up a little bit to where our line blocks a little bit differently on these certain plays where it's easier for him to make a complete pass over the middle Mm -hmm. for seven yards or whatever. Mm -hmm. And just because it didn't feel like he could see those guys last year. So maybe and I'm not talking Texas Tech splits. I don't want to go to that. <laughs> but but even if it's just a little bit different blocking and I'm not the X's and O's guy. So I don't know how difficult that'd be, but I could see Beane in the offseason and say, "Hey, you know, we always did this with with the previous staff and it worked. So what if we just kind of incorporate a little bit of that and see if it helps Gabriel on those on those plays?"
3: I'm going to guess that's a 70/30 quarterback thing where You know you've got a guy dragging across the middle, and you have to know, do I try and throw it over my line and hit him right now, or do I wait a half second later and throw it in that gap between the tackle and guard or whatever? I don't know that you can just block for that, only because you don't control the direction the rushers are going. You just, you have, once you engage, you can maybe try and move them, but... You know, you don't know if a guy is going to go to your left or to your right, so you can't predicate. Well, we're going to throw it in between the tackle and guard on this play because that can be totally disrupted by what well, the
0: defense Well, if your done. offensive line
1: is bully enough, you can do some of that.
0: Yeah. That's true, and and I think we should should legitimately have high hopes for this, and maybe high demands on this offensive line that they should be good. They should be able to command, especially in these first few games. Yeah, they should be able to command the 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 pace of play and the direction of play. To oh, yeah, a our running backs
3: should be to the line of scrimmage f- for sure without any contact mm-hmm. whatsoever, if not a few yards down the field. I, mm-hmm. I would expect every running back we have these first several games to have a five, six, seven-yard average easy.
0: How plain vanilla do you think will be um, offensively and defensively, um, more, more um, just getting the, the nitty-gritty worked out versus trying to experiment with stuff?
2: I, I mean, it, really, I don't know how much I- experimentation we're going to show at all. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty vanilla, I guess. I, I don't think we're going to show a ton. I think we're going to work on baseline offense and defense to make sure the guys are firmed up and doing what they have to do game in and game out um, with the the scheme that Lebby and, uh, I guess, Roof, but Venables has built on the defensive side, Lebby on the offensive side. Making sure they have that um, practiced and learned and, and are thriving in those scenarios. I don't think we see a lot until, until that Cincinnati game, maybe. Um, so I know we talked about this a lot last year in, in those first few games. Um, we didn't really see a change. It, I think that was one of our biggest complaints. We didn't see a change the entire season. Yeah. And how much of that, like we talked about last week, how much of that was really just Venables establishing a system and uh, a coaching strategy that he wants his guys to follow by the book, day in and day out, versus now you you have to hope, at some point when we get into some of these later season games, and, and Venables knows that his guys know what they're supposed to be doing and are doing their jobs week in and week out, you can expand those playbooks on both sides of the ball to do some of that experimentation. So I think, Ven- long story short, I think pretty vanilla this week and, and even the next couple of weeks more than likely.
0: I would well, guess so. Go ahead, go ahead. I see. would guess so as well. Um, and last year we were waiting and watching and hoping for some blitz packages that really never came for the most part. And when they did, it, was, it left a lot to be desired, but I think that had everything to do with the lack of depth and personnel and knowledge of, of the, what they wanted to do. You saw a little bit more on offense as it developed over the season, but again, they were limited there too. Hopefully this is something more by choice and not something by, by force. And you're inevitably going to be pretty plain vanilla uh, just because you need to get the basics down and you don't want to show something you don't necessarily have to show. But at the same time, it would be nice, which we weren't always in this position, to say, wow, we were playing vanilla and we completely handled that game, versus it would have been nice to see some things that would put the game away. If you remember last year, remind me, who was the team that played Georgia so tight too? Kent Uh, Kent State. Kent State. And we could have used a few things against Kent State being shown, um, unfortunately. You'd rather these games especially be where you're just putting them away with your plain vanilla and you're not having to show anything.
3: It's always been tricky for me because I think the more returning starters you have, you're much more likely to just roll out vanilla and not show your future opponents anything. But even though this is year two and there's quite a few players back, there's still a whole lot of new faces. And some of this stuff, you have to do it in a game to do it. There's just no matter Can't how many practice, practice reps you yeah. have or whatever, it's just not the same. So it's it's really a tough spot for the coaches because as we all know, you don't want to show Texas, mm-hmm. you don't want to show anybody else specific blitz packages or any um, thing that you've really changed up quite a bit, but at the same time, you still have to execute you work it get used that. to it. right? Um,
2: yeah, and I think I, Jaden Gibson alluded to something the other day in, in one of his post practice interviews that I thought was really interesting, saying, you know, this time last year, from an offensive standpoint, for example, um, all of the off- offensive guys were together in a room watching film, watching plays, learning together um, because no one had implemented this system that they're going into. Whereas this year, he's saying, Everyone is in their own room. You've got a true running back room. You've got a true wide receiver room. Mm. They're not all together because they were learning that playbook together last year, whereas now you have, quote-unquote, veterans of the system who can go lead by example, teach some of the new guys the, the system and how, it, how it's working in some of those situations. So um, I think that will allow for some expansion in what we're going to be doing. I just don't think we're going to see a ton of it up front.
1: And there's two schools of thoughts on that. There's... Let's not run anything other than vanilla because we don't want to show anything. But then there's also the let's run all kinds of craziness because then they our have to prepare for yeah, it. Yeah, so I'm I'm the more aggressive. I I don't care now trick play wise. I'm not looking for trick plays against these lower level mm-hmm. teams. I'm just not. But I mean by the time like before you get to Texas, like who cares if you show them six other plays in the repertoire? because then that's something that they're going to have to prepare for and they're going to have to spend less time on some of the stuff that is the base stuff. And then hopefully you put some stuff in, obviously the, the, the year with the Kennedy Brooks, you know, direct snap, direct snap thing where they faked the pitch and then, and we only use it that one game, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Even though that's on tape, that play still works against every other team because it's so unique. Yep. And while I'm not expecting any of that type of creativity from Le- Levy, I still want to s- – I still – I think the first game's probably all, all vanilla. But then you've got to start doing more with these guys. And there's the, the other philosophy about – it could be either way is the – this guy's really great in practice, but then when the lights are brightest, he doesn't show up. I mean, Jaden Gibson, last year, may have been the second best receiver in practice, but when come game time, he's dropping balls.
2: He caught one ball last year so, for 12 yards.
1: I mean, maybe, maybe in these early games, you're getting the guys that have been good in practice, but not great, you're getting them out there because that extra adrenaline of being in front of the crowd may be what unlocks their entire potential. And you can't just say, well, this guy in practice was better than this guy, so we're just going to let that better guy play all the time when the guy that may not quite be as good in practice has crazy ability during games. And So you gotta, you got to mix it up.
2: And it'll be really interesting. I mean, we, we've had these guys throughout the last, I mean, from my OU memories, the last 20 years, who we're not talking about them at all right now because we just and they come have – no. And they come alive. I mean, you look at Dom Whaley – you look at even Marquise Brown uh, coming on late in the 2017 season. Um, so I'll be interested to see as, as we s- keep going, like who those guys are, Lucas, that you mentioned. Like, you know, there may be some guys who just, you know, on paper or, or even in practice are just not, the, not that guy. But they step under those lights and something switches on for them. And they become one of the premier names. So I'd love to see someone break out like that, um, uh, Nick Anderson or someone like that, which I know a lot of people are talking about him already. But um, we'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting to see and kind you of You take the words right out of my
0: mouth. Uh, I was thinking exactly along, along the same lines of I like aggression, and I like giving teams a lot to prepare for. I think coaches naturally are, are given to being more conservative, and they are thinking, well, if I don't show it, I can bring it out versus – the benefit of showing it and making teams prepare for it and using their valuable, limited resource of time to have to prepare for things that they've seen on tape and they know you might do.
1: And you're getting work in game for your own players. For your own players. Yeah. So I, I think it's,
0: if, if anything, the err on the wrong side of not showing stuff and thinking they're doing enough in practice, go and execute those things in the game and, and show those teams the crap you can do. In fact, even if the trick plays, some of them you show and you have no reason to ever run them again. Run a fake punt out of a certain formation, and if you can signal that same formation, you will get them to have to react to it, and you then punt safe, and you get it away the way you want to do it. And at the same time, don't be afraid to go back to the well and use those plays. That was something so frustrating in the 21 season that Riley would not go back to that direct snap to Kennedy Brooks. And there was many times he didn't do things like that. And yeah, I no, think I'm that, not
1: looking for it five times a game. No. You're not looking you for it, it every drive. run it twice this game, and then three times the next, and then once, just – just keeps everybody on their toes and they never know what's going to happen.
0: I would play.
2: love to ask him the reason why he never used that again though. It was crazy. You was run, like the, you run so that you so run that play success.
0: twice and you have you run it twice and you get two touchdowns. I think it was basic risk aversion. He's thinking it was two for two and we won a tremendous game off of that play. I don't want to risk it and, and burn that equity. He's thinking if it gets stopped. People are going to say, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? They saw it coming. Now it's not a surprise. And I, mean, I don't I've think always anyone's going to react that I've always way.
3: been, do it till I stop it. I Absolutely.
0: Mean, exactly. I don't care if you
3: do run it five times a game. If it works if it works 80% yeah. of the time, just yeah. run it five times a game. I yeah. mean, that's
1: essentially how the Wildcat started. You know, team started, was it was K-State the first one to run that? Like the Wildcat formation? I don't
0: know. They were up there. I it, mean, it, it, that's why it's called the Wildcat, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And
1: so yeah. they put that in as a package, and then it worked so well that they were able to run that multiple weeks before anybody really stopped it well, and it spread across even to the NFL and it worked a little bit in the NFL. But it's crazy to me that the that the Kennedy Brooks type play, not that not that you want to run that five times a game, but it's always there in a big moment that I think you could get away with it.
0: Well let's Let's talk about something else that's on a lot of people's mind, and that is when will Jackson Arnold get in? I'll throw out my prediction. I'm going to optimistically say he gets in in the third quarter, and I'm optimistic that that's because of of choice, not force, but um, I'm hopeful that we have got that game completely in hand. Everything's moving smoothly, and they try to work him in late in the third quarter, giving him most likely turning the ball over to him, there's a chance they get him in. Let's see how things are going and, and swing it back to Gabriel if it's an early um, appearance, but that's pretty unlikely. Most likely, and for the good reasons, would be the game's well in hand, that we can even get him in in the third quarter um, before the fourth quarter, which would, uh, you know, I think be a possibility as well. What do you guys think?
2: Six minute mark of the third quarter.
0: Nice. Very, very optimistic kind of homish. 6 minutes left or 6 minutes homish. into the third Either quarter Either way
2: <laughs> 6 minutes left in the third quarter Okay okay, okay, okay. sorry All
0: right yeah. okay that's so more that's, that's more of what in. I'm thinking yeah, yeah
3: yeah I think he gets in before that I think he's, you think he's got a package I think he's sprinkled in just that's he what needs I was thinking He I'm needs to for be that. in meaningful the okay. we haven't won the game it's still early Here's here's your group with the ones Maybe we need to talk to Gabriel about something, go out there for a couple of plays, you know, you know, stuff like that. I, I think he needs to be put in a situation where the game's not in hand, et cetera, a little bit of pressure well, in front it, of the it crowd. Gives you
0: the freedom to then use him in every capacity where they don't poo-poo it and say, whoa, come on, you, you're, you're up 45 to nothing, you have an him throw deep, what are you doing?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I wonder what, how Brent's feeling's on. Um, you're not wanting to embarrass lower level schools Um, I don't know if he has any connection with the staff because I honestly couldn't tell you who's at Arkansas State. Butch Jones. No kidding? Butch Jones. He took the head coaching job there? Yep. Wow. So it would be interesting to see if he wants to not, you know, quote-unquote humiliate him by putting Arnold in and running a full offense for like three series and scoring three touchdowns, you know, between the end of the third and early fourth quarter or whatever. Or if they put Arnold in and he hands it off on first and second down and it's third and five and they let him – throw a 20 yarder you know, whatever the situation is. I, I say you put him in there, he, he needs the work. I mean, he's a true freshman. He was literally throwing high school passes eight months ago or nine months ago, whatever. Um, I don't I don't care about the running it up thing.
2: Oh, I, if there's anybody I want to run and score up against, it's it, <laughs> Butch Jones is on that short list. I can't stand that guy.
3: I just can't imagine that any opposing team, coaches, could get upset with you that I've got a young guy. He's our backup. We've got to get this system going. And you're Arkansas. Yes, we State. scored. It's what we do. You got paid a bunch of money. Exactly. i in here. If you get your butt handed to you, get your butt handed to
0: And and it's a different situation if it's two minutes to go in the fourth quarter and you're up 45 to nothing, and it's in the third quarter and you're up. 45 Even then, to maybe 90. you need to run your hurry up two-minute offense. You got to get some work in. That one's hard. I, I agree. I'm fine with it. That, that's where it gets a little tender, and I, I can mean, see them mean, Mike Lubica's not
1: around to complain about 77 to nothing yeah. when we're downing the ball in the third quarter on the five-yard line.
0: Yeah. So, I, I agree, uh, um, and I think that there's a chance that they hold back, and I hope they don't, but that they hold back because they don't want controversy. If The, the thing that would be rough is if Gabriel doesn't look really good, mm-hmm. and then you're not going to see Arnold when. <laughs> We don't in, want another. We want Caleb. Situation. In honesty, that's when you would want Arnold in the most to get the most work. When you think you need him to have work because Gabriel's not good. But the one thing that will hold Arnold back more than anything else from getting in is if Gabriel looks weak. That's you know, very we ironic. Don't, we don't
1: want student section yelling. We want Jackson. We want Arnold in the you know middle of the second quarter when it's. 17 to three or whatever the score is yeah that would be worst case scenario I don't
0: think they would though keep in mind that that had so much to do with the persona off the field of Spencer Rattler yeah. and how that was student body going through the student body yeah. and, and and you know
2: I had the same conversation yesterday and I for the same reasons that Steve you just mentioned that was my reasoning as well I think you'll I think you'll have some people who want to chirp that um, who may be from that area of Texas and heck may have even went to high school with the kid but um, I don't think if, if we get to that point again, Gabriel is really bad.
1: I mean, if everything goes according to plan, the students will be gone at halftime anyway. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, true. if, it's, that's if true. it's 35 to nothing at halftime, yeah, if we've and taken it's care of 99 teams. degrees at yeah. 1 o'clock in the afternoon, those students will be gone.
0: Yeah. Even if it's 27 to nothing, and what you're looking at is a defense that's doing great and keeping them out of scoring position and an offense that's struggling a little and had to settle for a couple field goals. Um, I think that students will be in the same boat where they're not going to be there. Keep in mind when they did that was several games into the season after struggles. Yeah. And when it was a night game and it was a more pleasant environment to be later into the game. So this could be if yeah, this is going to rival other openers in terms of heat, hopefully the humidity won't be there, but you're right. The students probably won't be there. Um, You've got a lot of chances to get Gabriel up to speed if that's what it needs. But honestly, he's further along in his career than Rattler was at this point that we're talking about. He shouldn't. Graham only needs had more one help, season until that happened. If he needs more help, it ain't gonna happen. No. Nope. The coaches need to see that and they need to get the writing on the wall and say we have got to make a change for our future cuz we're about to hit the SEC and we don't want to hit it with a There's guy. There's no time to waste. Yeah, no time to waste at all.
2: Yeah, and you got I mean, sweet so again you guys have already touched on it, but we saw we saw how this impacted us so negatively last year when Gabriel goes down. We saw Bevel come in in the third quarter against Nebraska and all, all he did was hand the ball off. We we didn't There was no sort of ask of him to say hey let's work in some place so Mm -hmm. you can get a feel for it or have that connection with the receivers that we need you to have in case something happens and the dude looked like against texas looked like he never played quarterback in his life Mm -hmm. given we were running him at wide receiver for most of the game right (laughs) but um i do hope when when arnold gets in i I will say when because i think he will showcase at some point in the game um I, I don't want him to be a game manager. I want him to. I want them to say, "Hey, this we're going to run some plays for you, and we want we want to see what you've got," um, because injuries are inevitable, and I don't want to be in that spot that we were in last year, where as good as I think Arnold is, you still want some of that game experience where he's gotten to throw the ball and get a feel for for the game itself, and not just handing it off and, and saying, "Let's run this clock out and go home."
0: One of your worst case scenarios would be. You have given him minimal time and no meaningful minutes and no real development in game time of running an offense, to speak of. He's just been in to hand the ball off. And all of a sudden, you do get an injury situation of Dylan Gabriel in the Texas game or right before it. And he's thrown into the Wolves in the most difficult game of the season, in the most hostile of environments. And you you knock a guy's confidence and his abilities back a few games at least because of that situation. I think playing
1: in the top level of high school in Texas has prepared him to be able to handle moments like that. And from what I watched him in high school, because I knew he was committed here, so Denton Guy was playing games on TV occasionally. The guy looks like a gamer. He looks like nothing phases him. He wants to go out there. He He, wants to be in that spot. He's a really good runner. Um, I'm curious. One of the things earlier I I forgot to mention, we were talking about things to look for besides – you know the snapping is how much Gabriel will run. I, I feel like when we had nothing to lose with him in the bowl game, did he run more in the bowl game than the rest of the season?
2: He ran, he ran sure, quite a bit in the bowl game. Like, I, feel like, I don't
3: know if he had more carries, but he did run quite a bit in the bowl game. Yeah, it's, yeah, it
1: seems like we should go into this game, and he should have that threat out there. Freedom of movement. And even though it's a lesser team and all that, I want to see him run the ball more this season because. When Levy was in Mississippi, um, Matt Corral. Matt Corral ran the ball like crazy. And, and you don't get to I don't just... want to run that much. No, sure. Like they did at Ole Miss. Sure. But I want to run more than we did last year. Absolutely. But I can understand why they didn't not having a backup quarterback whatsoever. But this year, you do have a backup quarterback, even though he's fresh. You should be able to run the ball, even the threat, if you do it a couple times in the first quarter, again you know, later in the season, then it keeps everyone honest. it keeps everyone
0: honest. And it also works in to a rhythm, what you want to do. You don't get to flip a switch and say, "Okay, now here we are, six games, six games into the season, and now, Gabriel, you're 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 right. going to run." Remember all those times we told you not to, and we ingrained in your head to not run. Now you can run. It's yeah. not going to work out. He's or, not going to know. it's a called running plays? Oh yeah, absolutely. Three, three steps back and, and go forward. Yeah, absolutely. When
1: when the defense is giving that to you, if they're rushing three, dropping eight. And it's a oh third and three. Take those. You six should be able to get seven every right yards every time.
0: And yeah. and eat them alive with that. Yes. Again, back to what Jay and make said. Make them play guys from up and make then them you beat stop them on the deep ball. it. Make them stop yep. it. Yep. Yep. And then or a dump route is something that's right over their heads. There's so many options. Sure, it's a simpler game sometimes than what they make it out to be. Well, let's change gears real quickly. I want to trigger at least one of us, maybe all of us. So we heard some. Some talk from someone, um, somebody named Yormark, I think he's, um, is he Big 12 Commissioner? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think he's like yeah. in a very professional role, right? And he was talking to, to McGuire. Well, uh, they were at a Texas Tech Function. Texas Tech Function. And he comes what out, happened? Tell he comes about out this. and
1: says, This is to be our first realist this is, rant. This is verbatim. He comes out and says, I'll be in Austin on Thanksgiving, and I hope you guys do to him what you did last year. Essentially, I want you to beat Texas because they're leaving the conference. Told them to take care of business. Yeah, take care of business because we're mad that they're leaving the conference. So you guys need to go out and win. That is probably the most unprofessional thing I've ever heard from a leader of a conference. Like, can you picture Roger Goodell, who, who Patriot fans really have a problem with Roger Goodell. Can you see him saying to the Ravens in the playoffs, saying, Man, I really hope you guys beat the Patriots. That's that would cause an uproar of un, unbelievable aspect there.
0: There's almost it's it's adjacent to things that would be legally um, actionable. Where you're you're at least it sets the stage for anybody between OU and Texas who wanted to bring suit and say that there's been unfair treatment. That's now something you could use as evidence. I mean,
1: we saw last year. Texas had three holding calls in their favor, you know, defensive line rushing the quarterback, three times. We had one the entire season, which is literally impossible. I mean, the math on it.
0: Other is, than it happening. Yeah, yeah the yeah. math yeah. on it
1: is insane. Yeah. yeah. So you're automatically opening the door where every time we see a holding in a conference game, it doesn't get called, yeah. which there was, I mean, I looked at the numbers and I think OSU had the most favorable, and it was like 30-something maybe, and we had one this opens the door to every single conference game when there's a non-called pass interference, there's non-called, you know, holding when the when the is trying to get the quarterback, that we're sitting here saying, you know, this is why. Because it's a conspiracy against OU in Texas, which, honestly, I don't care what happens to Texas. I hope they get no holding calls the whole season. But, you know, in, in our case, it was ridiculous last year how many games we watched where we would have an end coming around and a lineman just grabbing by the collar and pulling back as the quarterback's fixing to release the ball and nothing gets called. And now, when you see comments like that, and then you have the comments of the assistant commissioner saying, essentially, OU and Texas weren't in the conference championship game last year, so are they really a big loss? Well, we've won 14 of 27 titles in this conference. Texas only has a couple, but they're obviously the other blue blood, which apparently we're not blue bloods according to Joey McGuire. Tim McGuire says, he said, our oh, you in Texas aren't really even blue bloods, according to him, which I used to have, I used to have uh, respect for this guy because he was a high school football coach in Texas, very well respected, great connections. People are talking about how he's turning around Texas Tech. And then you come out and say the stupidest crap I've ever heard. You can't, you're going to tell me that the winningest program since World War II isn't a blue blood? That's the dumbest,
0: that's the dumbest comment I think I've ever heard a college coach say. There's two aspects to this that really rankle me, and I think a lot of other people. One is the, and you talk about both of them, Lucas. So I'm going to reiterate. One is the absolute stupidity of the comments. I am okay with people being provocative. We were talking off pod before we started about Utah and how they've been just giving it to USC every chance they get, and they're a lot of very provocative things, but they're never saying anything that's outright stupid. And on top of the stupidity, it's the unprofessionalism. And especially for a a conference leader, a commissioner, to come out and say things like that in that environment. It's different if it was in a a comical environment like the whole Big 12 Media Day where everyone's gathered together and he's expressing a little bit through tongue-in-cheek humor. We've got some Discomfort and disdain for you guys because of what you've done to the conference. And You're outsiders. I hope, outsiders. So. I hope we two get other teams
1: are in the conference championship. We game. get that because it would this be better for our something so th- be This is something very like unprofessional. It would be irritating, but to come out and say, I literally will be in Austin on Thanksgiving and I want you to
0: take care of business. It's really, it's dangerous. It's a signal of what are you saying behind the scenes to your officials, to everyone actually can have an outcome, a role in the outcome of the game. What are you encouraging? What are you encouraging? Even if you're not deliberately, I- explicitly saying it, implicitly, what is the message you're sending? What are you saying to the TV networks
1: behind closed doors? Uh, screw OU. They're not going to be on conference next year. Let's give them a more than 11 o'clock games. Who cares? Even though that's their best TV ratings are going to be OU in Texas games.
0: Well, let's give them the crappier TV back times to the just to be petty. Back to the stupidity. Do you really want to work with a guy who's petty like that? And he is he really someone who's got long term? Um, thoughts about how to make the conference succeed, or is he just somebody who's going to be mad and petty and going to be never getting over the fact that the conference, not him, because he was brought in after the fact, has been dealt a, a, a serious blow? We imagine two best the blowback
3: winning. on if there's like two major controversial calls that are game-changing. Absolutely, like an OSU non-interference call at the
1: I end I of the game. I mean.
3: I mean He's got nowhere to go with and that. And what's crazy just, is
1: I gave the guy props for pulling this conference together. Yeah. Because I think he's literally done the best job he possibly could have done with what was handed to him from Absolutely. The horrible Bob Bowlesby. I mean, yeah. he, he butchered the whole conference. But to come in and do what he's done, you're losing your two bell cows, but you you replacing him with, with a couple named teams, and then to be able to salvage a couple the, the four teams from the Pac-12 that are coming in, we were on here saying that he's done a great job of what, what he could have done. I think he did all that he could. And, he, and then you come out and look petty like this. It makes me respect you less.
0: And you do this, and here's another way to get back to the legal part. If you wanted an, a really nice kiss goodbye from OU or, and or Texas, if something happens, and you know inevitably something will happen that's controversial just because it happens in football all the time. When that thing happens, once they're done, once they've left, once – all the obligations are off the table, then go back and file a lawsuit and make them go through all of the discovery process and say, we're just going to do this to you because we want to do it to you, because you said these things to us. So we want all the emails. We want to see every correspondence with all the officials. We want to know what you were saying to all of these different presidents and athletic directors and coaches at all these other universities. Tell us what you said. Cause a nightmare for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, and it's funny. I was listening to some local sports radio talk and um, you had a couple guys and even our our good friend, Eli Letterman, didn't uh, kind of discounted it. So and I, I actually I think as a neutral fan, some people would just let that blow over. But when you go back to last year, when you the one holding call is just one part of it there was just terrible officiating across the board and
0: has been for the last 2 years yeah. since we made the announcement and
2: first of all why? I, maybe it's a regular thing i don't know about but why is the big 12 commissioner at a texas tech donor event yeah, i don't understand I that, was that. Myself. very odd secondly i it, it i'd lean back on Steve's comment the unprofessionalism that's what we all said right when it came out i don't care if you're working the room or not i don't really i don't care if you're trying to um, appease a crowd that uh, is obviously going to be rooting hard for OU and Texas to lose all of their games. You don't do that in, in any sort of setting as a professional.
1: Um, not, with, not with everybody having camera phones nowadays. Yeah, and I just – yeah. it, it blows my <laughs> like – so, nice, That's stupidity. I don't, stupidity. Think
2: it's a, I don't think it's an overreaction by us at all. I don't think it's an overreaction by, by Texas at all to say how just ignorant those comments are um especially with the the position of power that he's in cuz I'm with Lucas the guy has pulled the Big 12 if if Bob Bowlsby was still at the helm as Big 12 commissioner they would be the Pac 12 yep they would have ended up just like the Pac 12 if anything the Pac 12 would have been they what the approach, Big 12 is they would have pushed the Big 12 so yep. um the guy has done a tremendous job and then to have this as just I understand you cannot like it you're you're two cash cows um leaving the conference. I understand that take, but at the same time, man, we're we're still going to carry the TV ratings this year. We're still going to be a massive part of why the Big 12 is going to have a successful year um monetarily. So, to go in and say that it's just it's com- like I said, it's completely ignorant. Um and I don't think it's an overreaction at all for us To feel the way we feel and to be skeptical of what we're going to be seeing, especially when we enter into September, into these conference games, what we see on the field uh, from an officiating perspective. We'll we'll be
0: watching even more um, deliberately to see what, and and with with obviously biased eyes. And we will grasp, we will look back. I
2: will will reach back and grab onto this event and those comments every single time we discuss. A missed call or a blown call, and hopefully not to an extent where it, where it does cost us a game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but that's going to be one of my points that I will always go back to if, if we are losing because well, of reasons like Well, a couple of like other that.
0: things where it can come back, and this gets to the stupidity of the unprofessional comment. So let's say that you're looking at scheduling in the future. This gives you a reason not to schedule a team from the Big 12. Not just out of spite, although that enters the picture, but is there going to be fair dealing? And do I want to deal with someone from this conference who may not deal with me fairly? Especially when you know that it's going to be when you're playing a home-and-home home or something, you're going to have their officials calling one of those games. That is probably not something that you want to involve yourself in. All else equal, hey, we'll go play the Big Ten. We'll go play somebody from the Pac-12. We'll go play somewhere where we think we're going to get fair dealing.
1: We're going to play somebody in the Pac-12. I don't think that's going to be possible. No, whatever they're going to be. That's true. <laughs> yeah.
0: ACC. So it's stupid. It was unprofessional. Let's change gears. Let's get to the locks of the week. The realest deal, locks of the week. So who wants to start us off? We've got games coming up. This, we're going to be in full swing. This is true week one. Well, let's catch us up a little bit about week zero. We, mm. we don't want to just ignore the elephant in the room. Um, and that elephant saw a mouse and got scared, or I don't know what the right metaphor is. But we sucked, guys. We each went one and two. And so that's 33%. And then when you add it all together, it's still just a win percentage of 33%. That's how those work.
2: That's going to be the only week that our listeners should fade our, should fade our picks. Yeah, you missed
0: it. You missed your chance. Now these locks of the week are for real. We've got, See, now we have enough information with those seven or eight games that have rolled <laughs> in that we really have a good feel for exactly what needs to happen um, going forward. So I'm going to lead us off. I've got, right out of the gate, OU. Giving 34.5 to Arkansas State. That's my first and number one lock. OU's going to cover. Second, I'm going to ride the momentum, the wave of success I've had so far, which is my only win of the week in betting against USC. I'm going to do it again. Nevada getting 37.5 against USC. Nevada covers. It's going to be some other type of backdoor squirrely cover, but it's going to happen. And lastly, South Carolina. South Carolina. Getting two and a half, they're going to beat uh, or defeat uh, cover the spread. I think they're going to outright defeat North Carolina. Spencer Rattler going to have his debut in the twenty twenty three season, and it's going to be beautiful. So those are my three locks. Now, Connor, that'll be a fun got?
2: game. Fun game to watch. Um, okay, so leading off, I've got uh, the mighty Green Wave, uh, Tulane, uh, giving Very good football team. giving six and a half against South Alabama. Um, I know, I think South Al- Alabama is one of the better. Uh, what are, are they? whatever conference they're in. They're one of the better teams in that conference. I still think Tulane's going to cover that game. Uh, I've got the Sunday night game. I've got LSU uh, giving 2.5 to Florida State. Uh, this is back to, to my predictions last week. Uh, I don't think Florida State's all that everyone's shocking up to be. I've got them having a, a disappointing year um, and leading off with a loss against LSU. And then lastly, the Monday night game. I've got Clemson giving 12.5 against Duke. Um, I think Clemson's uh, going to be a solid football team. That line just feels low. I don't know what people are seeing. That they're
0: one of your picks for the playoff. They
2: are. They they are. Um, I don't see how they don't beat Duke by by more than two touchdowns. So we'll see. By at least two touchdowns. Let me put it that way.
0: There's a math contest at the end of the game that's worth seven points. Does that change your pick any?
2: A math contest that's
0: worth seven points. Yeah. So it's good. they're going to have a math. I think Duke at will the win that the one. Game. Oh, at Duke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no,
2: I, man, I may actually. No, I think I'm going to stick with it. All right.
0: Who wants to go next? Jay or Lucas? Jay, what do you got? I'll
3: go. Um, I'm going to go outside of the box on some of these because nothing else seems to work anymore. So I'm going to go with NC State minus 15 at Connecticut. Is that 15 and a half or 15? Whatever you're going to give me.
0: Whatever the sheet says. Uh, The sheet says.
3: I don't think it's on there, is it?
0: Oh, it won't be because they're not. Yeah. We'll go with 15. That sounds right. good.
3: I'm going to go Washington State at Colorado State minus 12. Okay. And whew, I guess I'll finish it up with uh, Texas State at Baylor. Baylor minus
0: 26 and a half. So you're getting – wait, you're picking Baylor? Yeah. Oh, picking Baylor minus 26 and a half? Yeah. All right. Very random. That is
2: outside the box. It's
0: pretty far out there. It's literally outside
2: the box of all of our picks that we have in front of us. That's right. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I've got Texas Tech minus 13 and a half against Wyoming. I thought about that. I think Houston – they're getting a half a point against UTSA. I'm mean, going to call the upset there. Houston wins outright. And then I've got Rutgers minus 6.5 against Northwestern. I think Northwestern with all the people, yeah, the people the losing their well, coach. There's
3: two bad teams
0: right all there. all that
1: stuff. Yeah. I think Rutgers maybe gets a win. Is that at Rutgers?
0: Yes. I believe so, Yep. Yeah. So that helps them out there too. That, that is going to be difficult for That's Northwestern. That's a good pick. I like that, that, that one. Is, that is pretty good. Well, before we get to our score predictions, I want to see if there's any changes anybody has to the OU prediction record. We have I was I have OU going in the regular season eleven and one. Connor and Jay have OU at ten and two, and Lucas is nine and three. Anybody got any changes for any of that? I don't. I've got a change. We got a change coming Ooh, in. Connor's gonna going change.
2: With. OU's going to win eleven games in the regular season.
0: All right, eleven and one for Connor. I'm sticking ten and two. Lucas? I'm sticking with uh, 9-3. So Lucas has got the under on the over-under as far as Vegas looks at it. We've obviously got the over. Um, Let me ask everyone, but particularly Lucas, what would have to happen in the first three games to have you revise and change this pick? Up or down, and this is true for all of us, up or down, you've got... The more likely they you'll need to move it up, whereas we're the other way. I
1: mean, with the three out-of-conference games that none of the teams were playing, or I don't think will be very good. I don't think it's really going to show me anything. If we went through game four and we're averaging a touchdown or less given up on defense, then I would probably go ten and two. But that's that's a tall task because if you're if you're putting your third stringers in there towards the end of the game and you give up a touchdown, that kind of thing happens. But eyeball-wise, if I could see that through three quarters with all of our starters in, we've given up less than seven points a game, even against those lesser teams. But going to Cincinnati, if you can pull off that, um, then I could see myself thinking we're going to be better. But I also thought after we killed Nebraska last year that we were looking ahead to a really good season and and that failed us, So.
0: so. I would say that I kind of, I'm sympathetic to that, because even if we win 56 to nothing, game one, two, and three, it's hard to know what you're looking at. It's easy to say, well, these teams were just worse than we even thought they were. Um, even if we look perfection, you, you just, it's tough. And we got burned in the Nebraska game last year a little bit, for sure. If you get through Cincinnati, and then it's K-State, right? Uh, no, not no, no, K-State. No. It's, Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State. State. Um, that would give you a little more credibility if we're very solid. Obviously, the pivotal game is Texas, and so that's cheating to get six games into the season. And, and obviously, yeah, at that point if you beat you can, Texas, you'll then you'll know what's going on.
1: Anyway, you're losing three games between yeah,
0: or maybe even any out of the last six. Um, yeah, and if you've lost two games after the Texas game, then you are really hard pressed to pick us to to win nine. Right. Uh, so I would say there's not a lot that could dissuade me, um, but it definitely. I have a better chance of changing mine than I think you have of changing yours. We don't expect these teams are very strong. Tulane is not on the schedule, as the inside joke would go. And so, or Kent State. Or Kent State. And so if we struggle to any degree, even if we're winning, um, and in fact, I'll, I'll put it out there, if we struggle to the degree that I feel like USC struggled last night against San Jose State um, in each of these games – I will need to think long and hard about changing, not changing my pick away from 11 victories because that doesn't bode very well for us.
3: I'm the same boat as you. I think I, my prediction could go down versus go up uh, for the reasons that you stated. It's Other than just legitimate, absolute dominance with our own eyes and statistically and the scoreboard, etc., my homerism... I could see where I'd be like, well, this team should not lose any games. <laughs> um, but in reverse, if we have third and twos that we don't we get stuffed on. Like or, Tulsa's,
1: Tulsa's giving us a problem on Yeah, just just percents. stuff like that. Yeah,
3: yeah, it, yeah, we've got a problem. We're giving up third and fifteens, you know, to SMU all over the place. We can't get off the field at a whole different ball game. We just have to wait and see how the team progresses in it.
2: Yeah, I'm going to ride the same wave, and it's it's funny we're all going with that defensive analysis. Um, maybe it speaks a little bit to our hopefully confidence and what we're going to be able to do offensively. But sa- same same with me. I, I don't think I'm going to go up. Um, I think to quantify it a little bit in these first three games, if if any of these teams score more than 28 points,
3: 28?
2: 28,
3: 28. Oh, if we give 28 points to some of these teams, we're in trouble. I think. Okay, I agree. And, and maybe 28 points yeah. to starters.
0: Yeah, starters, no. I, I, I think I will be disappointed if we give up 28 points to the starters. Cumulative. The first three games. Cumulative.
1: <laughs>
2: so, yeah, well, fair enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But anyways, but just so. Unless I'm
0: totally wrong, and some of these are much, much better teams than we think they're going to be. Well, that usually happens to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, so, I'll ma- so, so, so that may- that maybe yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. kind of what I'm
2: getting is that's that's more of a panic button moment. Um, Whereas, like, wow, this something's really, really wrong if we're doing that. Um, I just – I don't want – I want to see noticeable improvement on that – on the defensive side of the ball where it's – again, maybe it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors last year because I I know we all thought that's what we saw in those first three games. Um, I mean, we gave up three points to Kent State. We gave up – let's see here – 13 points to uh, UTEP – 14 points to Nebraska. I think one of those touchdowns was late in the Nebraska game against our second yeah, and third yeah. guys. Um, so, so yeah, maybe maybe 28 is a little bit much uh, initially. But I don't know. I, I just – those noticeable improvements are what I want to see. And if, if we don't, if we are seeing, like Jay said, those those third downs they get converted or even some of these teams that are coming in and want to just do whatever because they, they have nothing to lose against us um, except the game um, – being aggressive and going for it on fourth down that we can't stop that, that's when I'm that's when I would start adjusting that number downwards. But I, I do think I am confident we are gonna see that improvement defensively to a point that eleven games I don't think it's crazy.
0: I'll make a prediction that we are uh, in on the post game pod, this first game and the next one and the next one, doing our best to convince Lucas that what he saw was real and that we are that damn good. Um, that's what I really think we'll see, one way or the other. And it may be smoke and mirrors, or baby, it may be on. We'll see. And to put some numbers behind that, what are our score predictions? Everybody ready? Everybody have their score prediction, independent of each other. Yep. All right, Jay, what do you got? Oh, I gotta go first. You gotta go first. We're going All right. And top. All right,
3: I will go with uh, fifty-six.
0: 13. OU? OU. OU, okay. Lucas, what do you got? I've
1: got fifty-two to
0: seven. Connor? I've
2: got forty-eight to ten.
0: Forty-eight to ten? I have fifty-six to ten. We are all very close in the same ballpark. Um, I We've all got OU covering. We got we all have OU covering. Um, I I the shortened like,
2: game, shortened game with the clock makes me nervous. Like yeah. we only we only scored fifty points or more one time last year. Yeah, I um, like
0: oh, I like Lucas's pick of uh, a field goal. I think they will look for an opportunity to take a to to attempt a field goal. Um, so ha- making a pick in, in a, for, and in Connor, you I guess theoretically have two field goals or you have a missed extra point going on here. No, I have two field okay. goals for us. Yeah. I'm basing so. a lot of
1: mine on Jackson Arnold actually getting to run the offense mm-hmm. later in the game. If and it's putting points in up the fourth and quarter, extending. they're letting him throw the ball. Maybe I think, not bombing it downfield necessarily, but actually not just handing the ball off the whole fourth quarter. That's where I get my higher score than I would have. I would have thought.
2: I think we're going to see Schmidt out there. Uh, I think Venables is going to want to establish some early confidence after his disappointing end of the season last year, kicking the ball. Um, so I think we. I think we see Schmidt out there. Uh, I think he gets a couple of attempts and and cashes in. So. That's my reasoning and logic there.
0: I think it's good reasoning, and I think they'll want to do that if they're in a position um, to to take the obvious field goal. Plus, it is more defensible to attempt a field goal than it is to go for it on fourth when you've got the game in hand. And so, for all of those later periods of the game where you're in the at the 25-yard line. And you could, you would normally say, well, we would go for this. You're not you trying ahead, to run it up. You're not quote. trying to run it up, and you get to get to some practice for it. your yeah. field goal uh, units. So, that's all very logical. That said, um, I say we're going to miss two field goals, and we're still going to score 56 points in a runaway victory where we give up 10. Not starters; they're all uh, 10 points given up late in the game um, to, against backups. But
1: how's that cigar treating you?
0: Cigar's really good. I got my, far, my, my father. Um, I think you had the same thing, yep. Connor. Yep. I've got a La Roma de Cuba. Well, and we got these today at And Jay, Jay has allergies, so. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, thank, a special thanks to Tobacco Exchange having us out. This has been fun. This has been exciting to be on location. I think it was a great episode, and I am revved up and ready for the season. I can't believe it's It's here. here. We are about to face the mighty Red Wolves of Arkansas State. It's game week. It will be the first victory and many victories for OU to notch this season. Anything else to add before we sign off, guys? I think that's it for me. All right. Well, until then, Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.